this morning to Acts chapter 1. We've been preaching for the last three weeks a message entitled, The Helper is Here. The Helper is Here. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. This is in John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Verse 16 says, and I will pray the Father, and he will send you another helper. The Amplified Bible says, the New King James says, helper. Send you another helper. Jesus helped the disciples and everything that they did while he was here on this earth. When he sent them out, he gave them a mission. He gave them authority. He gave them power. He gave them everything that he had. He was their helper. He showed them how to, he helped them to know how to feed a multitude. He helped them to know how to walk on the water and speak and the wind ceased at the waves. He helped them to know how to cast out demons. He helped them to know how to raise the dead, how to heal the sick, how to cause the deaf to hear. He helped them to know how to cause the blind to see. He helped them to know these things. Now he's about to go away, and in their mind, our helper is leaving us. Where are we going to go to? Where are we going to turn to? Because I'm sure they think back to what the blind man said in John chapter 9. When he had received a sight and the Sanhedrin council called him in, the religious folks called him in and said, and said, that can't happen. You can't be blind one minute and then see in the next minute. You, that don't happen. And, and if it does, then the devil had his hand involved in this. And that's not from God. This man's got to be a sinner. And listen to what this man said. He said, from the beginning, it's never been recorded that anybody opened the eyes of the blind. And that's, that's the first incident that was written down of any blind eyes being opened. It didn't happen in the Old Testament. Moses never opened anybody's eyes. Abraham never did. David never opened anybody's eyes. Joshua, the mighty warrior he was, never opened anybody's eyes. Samson. As strong as he was, never opened anybody's eyes. Solomon, as wise as he was, never opened anybody's eyes. I'll get all this out in a minute. And then Isaiah and his prophecy, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, all of these, none of these ever opened anybody's eyes, but Jesus did, and he showed those disciples how to do it. He was their helper. But now he's about to go away. But he said, I will pray the Father and he will send you another helper. And then he identified him that when the helper has come, the spirit of truth, he will teach you all things, he will show you all things, and he will lead you into all righteousness. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, I don't know about you, but I need the helper. I need the comforter. I need the counselor. I need the Holy Ghost working in my life. And, uh, you know, when we started, the Lord gave us this series of messages to preach several weeks ago. got so excited because, you see, I see so many times people's lives just up and down, up and down, up and down, in and out, up and down. And they go to church. They sing, they read the Bible, but up and down, up and down, up and down. But I see in 
the Bible doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the stickability and the stability substance that you and I need to live an upward and ongoing life for Jesus Christ. You say, wait a minute, preacher. You tell me somebody get baptized in the Holy Ghost, they never have a down moment. That's not what I'm saying, okay? The opportunity is always there. I've had some opportunities this week. Can I tell you this? I have probably been fought against by the devil, not people, even though a time or two he used some people. And I recognized who it was, what was going on. It wasn't the people. But I, I have been fought against resistance and temptation, I'm telling you, temptation, tremendous temptation this week. Because the enemy don't like for you and me to talk about, there's several things he don't like for us to talk about. He don't like for us to talk about the blood of Jesus. He don't like that. He don't like for us to talk about faith. Because he knows that faith in the Word of God is the substance that can cause us to overcome. And he don't like for us to talk about the Holy Ghost. Why? Because Jesus in the power of the Holy Ghost went about and overcame and undid all the works of Satan everywhere he went and everyone he come in contact with. And he don't like... So he causes confusion. He causes people's minds to, uh, to be heaped up on tradition because, see, tradition tells us one thing and the Word of God tells us something else. Now, tradition's not wrong if it's biblically sound. But there's a lot of traditions that we have allowed to develop in the church that are not biblically sound, they're experientially sound. And what I mean by that was that didn't work for me. When I got saved and there's nothing else that I need, I got it all. I got the whole package. Well, can I tell you this? Getting saved gets you the whole package, but it don't come in one lick. Thank you for that big amen. I see we all got it going together here now. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For truly, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized, listen to what he said, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. And when therefore were... When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own hand. In other words, the, the him coming back, that's God's doings, that's God's thing. He said, But listen, don't get so future-minded that you get past what's going on right now. That's what they were looking for. They were looking for an easy out. And, I, you know, I'm looking for one of those too. It's called the rapture of the church. I'm looking for that. And, and I believe that's coming. I believe that's for you and me. So I'm looking for that, and I don't make any secrets about it, no bones about it anyway whatsoever. I believe the rapture of the church could take place before I get through with this message this morning. And you say, well, what if it does? Well, if you're here, you can finish the message, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to be concerned about it. But I'm not going to get so future-minded that I don't understand what's going on right now. You see, I'm looking for the pie in the sky. I like pie. 
Here in the last several months, I have had to cut down my pie consumption. I'm talking about physical pie because it does physical things too. It hurts my stomach. It does. That pie and cake hurts my stomach. It makes it tighter against my belt. (laughs) It it hurts. So I've had to really, really cut down on that thing and, and get... Moving in a different direction. I'm doing real good about the sweet things. I went, I went three months and didn't eat any sweets. In the last two months, I have been indulging just a little bit. And Brother Gary helped me out this morning. Um, he brought in some real fresh Krispy Kreme donuts. And I'm talking about the, the temptation. And folks, I only ate one of them. I think I overcome that temptation real well. Now, But he said, here's what you need to be concerned with. That's going to happen. God's got a time. God's got it set. There's going to be a time when Jesus comes back and God has got that all in His plan. And he said, now you think about that. You study that. You look for that. But here's where you really need to hone in on, right here. Now listen to what he said. He said, but you shall receive power. And he's not talking about for something when we get to heaven. Oh, I heard people say, oh, I thank God we get to heaven, we're going to be able to overcome the devil. No, you're not. The devil ain't going to be in heaven. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be going to overcome. We have overcame, folks. People talking about, oh, I know when we get to heaven, we, we won't have any more temptation. Well, that's true, and we're going to have it in this life. But in heaven, we'll never have to give in to one. And I, can I tell you this? You don't have to give in to temptation now. Nowhere is it written that says, Blessed is the man that only gives in to part of the temptation. But in James it said, Blessed is the man that endures, or actually that overcomes temptation. Blessed is that man. Now, he said, But you shall receive power, power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. I think about an old song, and some of you older folks may may remember this, and some of you younger ones that's been in traditional churches, but the song we used to sing, O Lord, send the power just now. And we'd sing it, O Lord, and if the Lord had sent the power just now and baptized, it would have scared folks to death. We didn't know what we were singing about. We We didn't understand that. And the reason was, as good as those folks were in the church that I grew up in, they didn't teach me wrong about so many things. They just didn't take it far enough. Didn't go on a little bit further and help me understand, folks, there's more. Can I tell you this? I'm telling you from my own experience, what I have now, I realize there's more. Not so much more power and more Holy Ghost, but there's more of me getting into Him and letting Him use me. There's more peace than I've ever experienced. There's more love than I've ever experienced. There's more joy than I've ever experienced. And there's more power than I've ever experienced. I'm never going to have enough in this life. Amen? Because there's more. There's more. And that's what He was saying. Can I tell you this about these disciples? These disciples were a group of believers. They were. They were already believers. Why? Because you remember Romans 10 where he said, if you believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus appeared to the disciples. 
And they and here come Thomas Ward with them. And here come Thomas eight days later. And he's in this group now. And, and they said, we've seen him. He has risen from the dead. And we believe it. Man, we have seen him. We know. We know this is him. What does it, he, they believed in their heart that God had raised him from the dead. And they confessed him as Lord. And that's what it takes to be born again. Thomas said, I won't believe it unless I see him and put my finger in his, in his nail print in his hands and thrust my hand in his side. I won't believe it when Jesus showed up. He said, come here, Thomas. Stick your finger here. But he said, Lord, I believe. Listen to what he said. He said to Thomas, he said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. But blessed, wow, blessed are those who believe and have not seen, but they believe on it through the word that you'll preach. Now, they, they were already believers. They didn't become believers. They didn't become Christians on the day of Pentecost, they became Christians in their walk, in their life, coming up to the time that they recognized that God indeed raised Jesus from the dead. And then they confessed Him as Lord in their life. He said, you shall receive power. I remember there was some other power. And Brother James Wallace, uh, we'll have lunch with him ever so often, Loretta and I do with some other pastors. And he is in the Church of God of Prophecy. And he's been in it for, been preaching for, about 50 years, you're about a little bit longer than I have, traveled the world over preaching. But he was telling us the other day about when he was a younger minister working in a youth camp. And he said that in that youth camp that night, the, the evangelist had preached about the Holy Ghost and said that the people was in the altar praying and crying out for the Holy Ghost and said there was a little boy, a little black boy, about eight years old, and said he walked by, and that little boy had that guy in front of him, and he was praying on him, and he was shaking him. And he said, you you got to get the Holy Ghost, because if you don't, you'll lie, and you'll think bad thoughts, and you won't be able to leave women alone. You're supposed to laugh at that. Now, folks, we need the Holy Ghost. We need to be functioning and moving in the power of, of the Holy Ghost. Jesus did. Let me, let me give you an understanding here. Well, don't I have authority? Yes, you do. You have authority. The Word of God gives us the understanding that if you're born again, that you have the authority. You have the authority of the Word of God. You have the authority of the name of Jesus. You have that authority. I mean, it's in the book. But you know what I've noticed? And can I say this? I noticed this in my own life before I noticed it in anybody else's life. I knew that I had the authority, and I knew there was something in the name of Jesus. There was times that I would finally get up enough to speak the name of Jesus. And I would see little things begin to happen. But it didn't seem like there was any power involved in that. And so I, I think about it like a policeman. A policeman put on his uniform... He put his badge on, got his little stripe on him right here. And, and, and one of our policemen here in Thoughtful, he just, all of them are just real good guys. I think they're doing real good. And so we'll use police since this is right at the end of, of honoring police week. And I think uh, there's bad ones everywhere, but you know there's some bad Christians. I bet I could put your name into the computer and I could find some bad Jeremy McNutt. But that don't keep me from liking you. <laughs> So anyhow, but that policeman put all of that on. He's got his uniform on and his badge. And he carries with that the authority of the town of Faulkville, 
Morgan County, state of Alabama, and the United States government that has come down and given him authority. He has authority to tell you where to go, what to do, and all of that kind of stuff. But now I remind you, he's got his badge on, but he hasn't got all of his equipment on yet. And you can say, hmm, I don't think you can arrest me. And without his gun, or weapon they call it, you'd probably stand a pretty good chance of beating him up, getting away from him. But when that fella puts that gun on and puts that hand over here on that 9 millimeters, what they're using now, they come from 40 cal down to 9 millimeters. Anyway, puts his hand on that, you recognize he's got some power with that authority. I remember hearing a story about Charles Barkley. And, you know, Charles Barkley stood about six, 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 seven. Some said that, he stood, said that some guys that played against him in basketball said he was seven, four. You know, just the way he played. But, you know, Charles Barkley was always a little mouthy. You know, if you, you know, I don't know if you remember back that far, but he was always a little mouthy and a little into himself. So he was playing for the Phoenix Suns. And the Phoenix Suns was going on a trip and so they got to the airport, and the security guard was going to escort them on the plane and show them where to sit. Because, you know, they're all these big, tall guys. The security guard was a little blonde-headed woman that was five foot one. So they hear they go on the plane, and, and they get in there, and she's trying to show them where they're supposed to sit. But Charles Barkley, true to form, I'm going to sit by the window over here. I'll sit where I want to. And he looked at that little woman, so like, what are you going to do about it? And the story goes that she just put her hand up on her pistol and said, Mr. Barkley, you'll sit where I tell you, and you'll sit there now. And his reply back was, yes, ma'am. <laughs> now, what I'm saying is this. We have the authority of the Word of God in the name of Jesus, but the thing that gives us that dynamic power is the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Ghost. See, the Greek word here is dunamis, which means dynamite. It means generating, self-generating power, moving power. So, so when we take the power of the, of the Holy Ghost... It's a lot easier and quicker to say, in the name of Jesus. You know, Peter never did that. He never did that a time. He never had the boldness. Matter of fact, let me tell you something about these guys. These guys were scared little brats because now the helper had gone and they didn't know what to do and they was hoping against hope that something would show up to help them. That somebody would appear to help them. And here they were, they were over here praying and saying, well, if he said it's going to happen, then let's just pray and get together. It'll happen. But they were all behind closed doors. But when they got filled with the Holy Ghost, they got out from behind those closed doors. See, when, you, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit in your life, this earth and situations can't contain you and can't consume you because now the power of God is in you and you're the one that's in control. See, and it's not that we get to the point where we intimidate people, but it's that I will not be intimidated by the devil. I'm not going to let Satan intimidate me. Now, let's look. Jesus had this power. 
Now, if there's one that didn't have to have the power, and I, I'm going to try to move on quickly here. I, I'm serious. I, in Luke chapter 3, verse 16, Luke chapter 3, verse 16, And John answered, saying unto them, All I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh that latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Verse 21. This is talking about what Jesus is going to do. Verse 21. And when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heavens was opened. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee am I well pleased. Now, Look here, Jesus was baptized in water. And he was baptized with the Holy Ghost. John said he got the Holy Ghost without measure. And let me tell you, I've heard people debate that back and forth. But I'm telling you this, that, that the Holy Ghost in me is all I need every time I allow him to be there and every time I need him. I'm not worried around right here, well, I just, I just got the Holy Ghost's arm. Can you, can you be, yes, that's okay. But you know what you got when you got the arm of the Holy Ghost? You got the arm of God. The right hand of His power and righteousness. But let me tell you, the whole Holy Ghost. All right? Not a part. I've heard folks say, well, this one got this part and this one got this part and all together got the fullness of the Spirit. No, 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 no. The fullness of the Spirit, according to the Word of God, is in me, and the fullness is in you, and in you, and in you, and in you. Everyone that has opened theirself up and allowed Him to fill them, the fullness of the Spirit is there. Now, in Luke chapter 4, we're talking about Jesus. Luke chapter 4, He wasn't full of... And Jesus being full of... What was He full of? The Holy Ghost. He wasn't full of, of royalty. He wasn't full of the of the of heavenly deity. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Well, we all know he went in the wilderness and, and beat the devil hands down. But that didn't happen until he was full of the Holy Ghost. Didn't happen until after he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, do you mean, Pastor, that he gave in to temptation before then? No, that's not what I mean. What I'm saying is this, that he went out there, and you think about how supernatural this is to fast 40 days and then turn down something to eat. Wow. That's a power bigger than us because most of us can't go four hours and turn down something to eat, right? Sitting in church now wondering about lunch. I know y'all are not. Acts chapter 4, verse 14. Amanda's over looking at her arm showing how much weight she's lost since church started. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. <laughs> Did I mess you up, Bo? Uh, and Jesus returned, listen, returned into, in the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit. Here, the God-man on this earth function is 100% man. And how did He do what He did? In the power of the Spirit. Up until this time, you never read of him even curing a headache. There's nothing in there about it. He didn't help an abscess tooth or an ingrown toenail. Nothing. None of these look like. I remember seeing that movie, you know, about the life of Jesus and when he was young and a little bird died and he picked it up and it come back to life. 
That's sweet and cute. But folks, that's not according to the Bible. He began his earthly ministry. Now, he lived and grew in stature and, and, and in favor with God and with man all of his life. But at age 30, something happened in that man's life, and that was the infilling of the Holy Ghost of God, and God anointed him with power, and he went about doing good. Acts 10, 38. That's what I just quoted a part of. Jesus is preaching to Cornelius. And he's, he's preaching about Jesus. And in Acts 10, 38, he makes this statement to him. Whoa. <laughs> Acts 10, 38, how God anointed. I don't know where that comes from there. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good, healing all, everybody say all, all. that were oppressed of the devil. Now, why? For God was with him. How was God with him? In the person of the Holy Ghost. God was with him. Now, this same power is available for you and me today. It wasn't something that was just for Jesus. There's not a different power for Jesus and a different power for us. And, and you think, well, why don't we see the things that he did? Maybe it's because we've not moved into the dimension that he ministered in. Oh, but he was the Son of God. John chapter 1, I believe it's verse 14. You don't have to put this up, but John chapter 1 verse 14 says, But to as many as to received him to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Are you a Christian? You're a son of God. Now, you're not the only begotten son of God, but you are the son of God. When Jesus rose from the dead, he became the first fruit of many the many brethren. And that's us. We are now. First John chapter 2. Now are we the Chapter 3. Now. Now. Are we the sons of God. We're children of God now. Now we're not, we're not Jesus. But we have the same power. Available to us today. That he functioned in. We, we have trouble getting this through our head. Because we look at him. Well, here's the Son of God. He was divine. He left that divinity in heaven and did not reclaim it again until He ascended back to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Then He reclaimed that divinity. But when He was on this earth, He was a man. Hebrews tells us that there's, that there's a mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Now, you know what? He reclaimed His divinity, but He's sitting in the Godhead today still representing mankind. He's making intercession for us. Hallelujah. Man, I'm trying to get through. Y'all bear with me. He said, power. When He rose from the grave, He came back to those disciples just before He ascended into heaven, and He said, all power has been given unto me both in heaven and earth. So here we see him in filled with power, baptized with power, functioning in power, and then he turns and said, Now, not only do I have the power, I've got the authority, and I give that authority to you, and I'm giving you the gun to coat on your hip to prove that you've got the power to enforce the authority. Now, folks, there's a whole lot of places. If I had about two hours. Uh, Now, here's a promise. 
What did what the Word of God say to us? That God has not relented or turned or altered a word that's come out of His mouth. Isn't that what the Holy Ghost said to us this morning right here? Folks, I don't know about you. That meant something to me. Hey, sometimes we get to wondering. In our wondering, we get to thinking, and in our thinking, we get in trouble if we don't watch ourselves. I'm not one to run around and look for a sign. I got past that many years ago. Last time I put out a fleece, I got fleeced. The devil got involved in that situation. I ended up in trouble. Well, not in trouble, but I missed out on what God wanted to do. Okay? And, you know, if you're, if you're putting out fleece, you put them out, but watch it. Don't go down life's road looking for a road sign. Allow that inward witness of the Spirit of God to show you and direct you and help you in your life as you go forward. And God will speak to you. He'll give you a confirming word. But he, His word, listen, this right here, God said, I, I will not change it. I have not relented. And I, every word, I have not changed one word that has come out of my mouth. I have not altered it. Listen to what He said. You shall receive power. If you go back and study it in Luke chapter 4, where it talks about the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' life, it used the same Greek word it does here, dunamis. Dunamis. Same one. And he said, here's my promise. You shall receive. Why could he say that? Because it already told him in Luke chapter 24, he said, but go and tarry in Jerusalem and I will send the promise on, of the Father upon you. The promise. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. That's the Scripture. Luke 24, 49. He said, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power, power from on high. Wait on this thing. Quit trying to do it under your own steam and your own strength. You know, you'd think that after almost 48 years of being in the ministry, and that will be in all 48 years, and pastoring 46 of those 48 years, that I'd get it through my hard head after a while that God's got a better way. And there's been a lot of times I've hooked up with God's way. Now, don't get me wrong. I've not always gone in the, in the power of thus saith the David. Okay? I've not always done that. There's been a few times I have. Right? Uh, can I tell you something? You have to. <laughs> you have. He said you'll receive power in due on high. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power, dunamis, the same word, and great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. You see what happens whenever somebody will start working in the power of the Holy Ghost? God's grace is made known and, and, and is enlarged in the land and in people's lives. When somebody will start moving in the power of the Holy Ghost. And instead of the power of a church, the power of a dollar, the power of a name, the power of a movement, I want to be in the Holy Ghost movement, don't you? Now, I came up in the Congregational Methodist Church. The Congregational Methodist Church couldn't get along, so they parted, and you had the first Congregational Methodist Church, and then you had the Congregational Methodist Church. The first Congregational Methodist Church, they taught me how to be saved. Thank God for that. I got saved. Called a priest. Preached in that church for a while. 
But I saw their limitations and I looked at this other congregational message because somehow or another I was convinced the congregational message was right. Just like you were convinced that the denominations were right at some point. So I changed over, left the first congregational message church and went over to the congregational message. Now that congregational message there, they adhered more to the Wesley doctrine. In part. The Wesley doctrine is that you're saved and then there is a second act of grace, second work of grace. You see, for a long time I've been one of those second blessing people and I'm not talking about just when you eat and go back for second. But second blessing of the grace of God. And they taught that that was the infilling of the Holy Spirit coming to sanctify you and some of them got a little radical with that and said that once you got sanctified, you'd never sin again. And I couldn't figure that out because all these folks that was teaching that to me, I've seen their daily life. But I knew there was something to that. But they stopped short. And they said that when that comes, the only evidence that will accompany that is that you'll just start living a holy life. No, nothing supernatural, no gifts of the Spirit, nothing else. And later on I began to realize that as I studied about that second work and saw the pattern of that in the New Testament, I began to see that that wasn't all that went with that. I talked a little bit about that last Sunday, but I just want to share with you, I want you to just open your heart and, and receive for the next few minutes what the Word of God says. Not what I say, but what the Word of God says. And, and I know the devil will jump in, well, that's what you say the Word of God says. Well, we'll look at it on the board and on your book and everywhere else, and we'll see it. See, as I've already said, that the disciples already believed and were already baptized. Jesus mentioned that in chapter 1, verse 4. They're already baptized in water. And, and you know, we talked about the very first message, and I think we got misunderstood by some folks. Talk about three baptisms to where the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ, into the body of Christ. Then there's water baptism. And then there's the baptism that Jesus would give where He would baptize us in the Holy Ghost or with the Holy Ghost. So uh, the disciples already had the baptism into Christ because they had received Him as Lord, and that's what, what that is. And then they'd been baptized in water. Some of them was baptized by John, some others. But they had already been baptized in water. You say, well, Pastor, is being baptized in water important? Yes, I believe being baptized in water is important. Now, this is what I'm fixing to say. I believe it's important to fulfill all righteousness like Jesus said. I believe it's important for a person to make a statement saying that I have left the old man and I'm risen in a new man. And, and the water don't do that, but the act of obedience towards Jesus does. So, so that's, that's the reason it's important. If, if, I don't get, if I get saved and don't get baptized, will I go to heaven? Well, I believe you will. There's examples of that. But I've never met a person that truly got born again that didn't want to be baptized. Never have. I remember... Uh, uh, an old fella, Carl Lanningham, you know who I'm talking about, don't you? That he was come to on his deathbed in the hospital at Moulton and, 
and they wanted me to go see him, and I went over to talk to him. And, and while we were there, I, I said to him, uh, Mr. Carl, I said, you going to go to heaven when this is over And he said, no. I said, don't you want to? Yes. So he accepted the Lord right there on his deathbed. And, uh, and then he made this statement to me. He said, I want to be baptized. How can I get baptized? I mean, he's laying here, got all these wires hooked up to him and everything, you know. Could go at any moment the way it come down to. And, and so I looked at the nurse. I said, bring me a bunch of towels. That nurse brought me a bunch of towels in there and I put them all up around him to keep and I took a glass of water and poured it on his head in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. He received that and, and the next week they called me and said he, they've moved him into a room and his family's with him. And I went back over there and I went over to him and, and he was still alive. I said, Mr. Carl, he looked at me and he said, yes, Pastor. I said, remember what we did the other day? He said, yeah. I said, is it still good? He said, oh, yes, I'm going to heaven. And about two hours later, he went on to be with Jesus. Now, that's okay. And if he hadn't have been able to get that, he'd have still gone on to be with Jesus. But, it, but, but it's something you need. If you've been born again, if you've made Jesus Lord of your life, let me encourage you to be baptized, to get in the water, to come out of the water. Make that statement. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That water baptism is not going to save you. If Jesus is not Lord of your life, you can be baptized, like those say, you can be baptized in every pond in Morgan County till every tadpole knows you by first name and die and go to hell if Jesus ain't Lord of your life. But then, the baptism that Jesus did, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, now in Acts chapter 1 we read about the Holy Spirit coming. We talked about that on the day of Pentecost. They were in one mind, one accord, and the Holy Ghost came in, sound of a rushing mighty wind, and cloven tongues of fire set on their head, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. These believers were filled with the Holy Ghost. Then they began to speak in tongues, and all the people heard them, and, and, and I hadn't got time to preach all of that again, so get your CD and listen to it. But they come together, and their words was, what must we do? What can we do? They they were able to see something and experience something that was entirely different than anything that had ever happened before. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he said, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, that's be saved, and be baptized. Water baptism, everyone in the name of Jesus, committing your life to Him and showing that surrendering to Him. And then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, a lot of people's got mixed up here <clears throat> and said that the gift of the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues. But that's not what he's saying here. The gift is the Holy Ghost. The gift is the Holy Ghost. When you're, when you're saved, then the next thing is to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's exactly what happened. See, he told them to repent and, and be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 8. Philip had gone over to Samaria and was preaching to the Samaritan people. And a lot of them got saved. I mean, the whole city was moved. When they saw the things that, that Philip did there, and how did he do that? Well, you backtrack and you go over to Acts chapter 6, you'll see where that he was appointed a deacon, but he was a man full of the Holy Ghost. Stephen, that was killed, was a man full of the Holy Ghost. Were they in the upper room? They probably were. 
but they were full of the Holy Ghost. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, when they believed, then they were baptized, both men and women. Verse 14 says, Now they got saved. And when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John, who, when they had come, come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was not fought, he was fought, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 9. Paul, on his way to Damascus, light shone round about him, knocked him off his horse, knocked him blind. And listen to what he said. Who art thou, Lord? He recognized something here. He said later on, he said, I saw him as one born out of due season. In other words, I wasn't one of those original apostles. I didn't walk with him here. He said, but I saw him as one born out of due season. And so he knew who, he said, who, who art thou, Lord? Recognizing him. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonishing said, Lord? I mean, he had owned him by now. He had owned Jesus in his life by now. What will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go in the city, and it shall be told thou what thou must do. Well, he was blind. Those that were with him led him by hand. They, they knew something happened. They couldn't figure it out. Led him by hand. And he ended up over here in, in a disciple's house. And so the Lord appeared to a disciple named Ananias and said to him, Won't you to go to Paul and lay your hands on him. I've got a calling on his life, and he needs his eyes open, and he needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want you to go tell him what he must suffer, what he must go through, and help him at this time. And I said, Lord, he's got kills everybody. And he said, go, go, because I've got a work for him to do. Well, down in verse 17, Ananias came, and, went, went, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hand on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou comest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. This was after. Now we know that Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost because he wrote so much about it. He wrote in a place, and I skipped over this scripture a while ago, but we can go back to it. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, listen, this man that was filled with the Holy Ghost said this, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. A lot of folks are running around wanting to know what the will of the Lord is and, and ignoring the Holy Spirit's part and knowing the will of the Lord. Be filled. Be filled. The Greek wording there says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So after that initial filling, there's a lot of fillings that take place. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Acts 10, 44, where we're talking about what Peter did a while ago. And when Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them 
which heard the Word. They heard the Word. They had already believed because the Word of God says that these were devout men, that, that they feared God, they loved God. They just didn't understand all the way. And, he, and, he, and so the Lord sent Peter there to help them understand. And the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the Word. And they are the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's skip over to Acts chapter 19. Paul in his missionary journeys later come to Ephesus. And in Ephesus he found 12 men that ended up being disciples of John. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now that's a question I asked you today. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And listen to what they said. You can't use this excuse. And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said, Then unto what were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. John indeed preached. And in his baptism said, There's one that comes after me that shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Bible authorities say that the correct wording here ought to be, We did not know the Holy Ghost had been given. We didn't know that we could have this. We didn't know this was coming yet. We didn't know this was taking place. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, that's salvation saying unto the people, they that should believe on Him which should come after Him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. The Holy Ghost came on them. When? After they had believed. They had been water baptized now. And the Holy Ghost came upon them. What I'm trying to help us understand today, folks, is there's a power available to us that we have so long pushed aside. We can't be ashamed of Him. You know, Jesus said, If you're ashamed of me before me, and I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. And since Jesus and the Holy Ghost and the Father are one, what does that tell us about the Holy Ghost? The Holy, you remember we talked about the Holy Ghost can be grieved and He can be quenched. So I want to ask you this morning, I know you're saved, many of you. There may be some that's not. That's between you and God. I want you to get saved this morning. I want you to make Jesus Lord of your life. If Jesus is not Lord of your life, you've not been saved, you've not gone into water, then you need to, be, you need to do that and make provisions for it. But if you've never come to a point in time that you were seeking more power, that you surrendered yourself to the Lord and asked Jesus to baptize you with the Holy Ghost, I want to ask you to do that this morning. Let's bow our heads just now.